1: Understand, We can be covered by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself. You're on a journey to God's best, here and forever. And though we're not there yet, he's promised that he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He will always be with you.
0: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: God created us to go forward. Just think about it. Our eyes look forward. Our ears face forward. When we walk, our arms even swing forward. But as we go through life, something happens for a lot of us. Maybe it's because we fall down and we can't get up. Maybe it's because we fail. We're so messed up. Or maybe it's just because we're afraid. We can't see a way out of this circumstance that we've gotten ourselves into. We talk often in here that life is not always easy, right? There are storms in life. You're either in a storm, you're just out of a storm, or you may not realize it, but you're headed into a storm. There are battles in life. You're either in a battle, you've just come out of a battle, or you may not realize it, but you're headed into a battle. And these things just overwhelm us, and sometimes we feel like there's no way out. There's nothing we can do. Our life has caused us to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's where we find the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14. It's one of the most familiar stories in all of scripture. The Israelites had been freed from slavery in Egypt. They were now on a journey toward God's best, the promised land. And yet they were stalling out, filled with fear, not knowing what to do. I've been hanging out in settings like this all of my life. And for most of my life, I have considered myself a follower of Christ. And unfortunately, way too often, I have seen people like us who profess to follow Christ. And and maybe they were beginning that relationship at a youth camp or vacation Bible school or a revival or a church service. And it sparked radical change and there was passion and excitement, but something happened. And instead of continuing to move forward, they actually begin to move backwards. In church, we even have a term for that. What do we call it when you move backwards? You backslide. We try to make it sound fun, like Michael Jackson doing the backslide. And yet, that's not God's intent. He knows we'll face challenges. He knows life is difficult. In fact, if we face a long enough life, if that is God's grace and gift to us, we will not only have storms and battles, we will have times we don't understand. We know this because Jesus told us so. In this world, you will have tribulation. As I look at our church culture today, I think one of the greatest disservices that has been done is this faulty theology that teaches contrary to that. If you just do this certain set of things, if you just live your life this way, you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You'll be prosperous, and you'll have popularity and all of those good things that everyone wants. That's not what Scripture teaches. In fact, that's why God's Word tells us over and over again, when you suffer, you can trust Him. When there are trials, you can live the blessed life. So what do you do? If life is going to be filled with these kinds of situations, how do you go forward in an impossible situation? In God's Word to Moses today in Exodus chapter 14, we actually find the key verse for this entire series. I want you to read it out loud with me. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. This is the Word of God. Listen, let's read it together. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, that was the Lord's message to Moses. But I would suggest that some of us have gathered here today, and that's his message to you. You've gotten to a place in your life where you've stalled out. Maybe you've even started a backslide. You know you're not pressing on. You know you're not going forward as God intends you to do. And today he would say, go forward. You remember the context. Moses, as a baby, was born into slavery in the land of Egypt. The evil Pharaoh did not like the children of Israel. He had enslaved them, and he even began to kill the children of the Israelites. Moses' life was spared. His parents hid him in a basket in the river. He was picked up by the daughter of the Pharaoh, and so he was raised in royalty. For 40 years of his life, he lived a good life. Then he messed up, and we all mess up, right? Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Moses messed up in a big way. He killed an Egyptian. He didn't think anyone saw, but they did, and so he ended up living his life on the run. He fled Egypt. He was no longer royalty. He went on the desert, into Midian, and for the next 40 years, he wandered. And man, I, I can't, share that story and not recognize that it's possible even to be sitting in a church service, even to be viewing someone preach the word of God, and and yet you're in kind of that wilderness wandering. You're in a desert season spiritually. You, You know you're not where God wants you to be. It was in that context after another 40 years that Moses encounters what I believe is Jesus himself, a theophany in that burning bush. He encounters God, and, and God teaches him something that we all have to learn. Moses, I have saved you, but I didn't save you just to sit. A lot of church people get in that mindset. We, we've got our fire insurance. We're not going to hell. We're going to go to heaven But I don't really know I can do anything. I don't know I can be a difference maker. I think maybe I just need to sit and soak it in. And we forget that in life, when we put dirty clothes in a washing machine and we just let them sit and soak and we don't let them spin and get active, they sour. And the same thing happens to professing Christians. When you just sit and soak, you get soured. Nobody wants to hang out with you. That's not God's way. God's way is that you're saved to serve, So he says to Moses at that bush, Moses, I've delivered you, and I've spent these last 40 years developing you, and it's for your destiny. And that's the same pattern God has for each of us. He wants to deliver us. That's what salvation is. He wants us to experience the forgiveness of our sins through faith in Jesus Christ. We then enter a period of sanctification. That's when he develops us. Why? Because he's wanting us to live our best for his glory. And that's not just heaven. That's not just the promised land. He, he wants us to enjoy the journey. So he says, Moses, you're saved to serve. The same thing he would say to us. And so he instructs Moses what he needs to do. You need to go to this Pharaoh, and you need to tell him to let my people go. So Moses does that again and 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 again. He does it till he gets to the tenth time. Every one of those was marked with a plague that God would send, showing that he's a sovereign God, that he has control over nature, over all creation. But God allowed the Pharaoh's heart to be hardened through all that time, and he did not let the people go. Until the tenth plague. It was a plague called the death of the firstborn. And throughout Egypt, those that did not follow God's commands experienced that pain, that agony, that sorrow, of the death angel. God provided a way out. It was called the Passover. It's still marked and celebrated to this day. The Israelite people, if they would take a lamb and sacrifice that lamb, one per family, and if they would take the blood from that lamb and put it on the doorpost of their house, that death angel would not stop at their house. The death angel would pass over. And of course, that was a reminder of what's going to be taught to us that we now have in the New Testament. That Jesus is God's Passover lamb, that when his blood is applied to our life, we don't, exp- we don't have to experience the punishment of sin, which is death, but that can be passed over us so that we can live a life filled with his best for his glory. We summed it up this way, this last week, this way. We are stained by sin, but we are marked by grace through the blood of Jesus. It's God's grace received through faith that frees us up. To live for his glory. I wonder today if you've been freed up. If you've been saved by his grace. If you're living for his glory. If not, I pray that this be the day where that takes place. Well, that's Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 13, they're now on the way out of Egypt. The Exodus, the name of the book, the Exodus is taking place. Well, what happens next? In Exodus chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, Then Moses says to the people, Remember this day when you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by the strong hand of the Lord, he brought you out from this place. Do me a favor. Would you raise your hand if God has ever brought you out of something? I know that's the case in my life. Wednesday night I was focusing on this verse and our our time of prayer with many in our church family. And I gave them an opportunity just to share some testimony of what God's brought you out of. And someone shared that God had brought them out of a life controlled by fear. Someone else said God had brought them out of a life controlled by guilt. Somebody said God had brought them out of addiction to alcohol and drugs. I don't know what your story is, but isn't it interesting that God wants us to acknowledge what he's brought us out of? And maybe you're here today and you're forgotten why God needed to save you. You're a Christian. You're headed to heaven. You don't have any doubt about that, but but you've forgotten what God did for you. I would challenge you just like Moses challenged the children of Israel. Remember that today. The next thing happens in chapter 13 is we see that God begins to lead them on this journey toward the promised land. But a crazy thing takes place. In verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that was near. Some of your translations say that was the closest way or the fastest route. Isn't it interesting? God's plans are not always our plans. Have you ever been frustrated with God's timing? You felt like he wasn't doing things quick enough for you. He wasn't doing it your way. I would remind you that the path to God's best is not always the easiest or the quickest path. But you've got to press on anyway. You've got to be faithful. And he's given us something to let us know why that's so important. Verse 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. What was that telling us? God promised his presence. When you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, one of the things you've got to know is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he is always with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. she got really stressed out. We had changed things up, and I have to tell you, she threw a holy fit. I'm a father of five. I've never seen anything like it, and I had a decision to make, and my tendency in the flesh is kind of get loud and think of discipline that way, but I knew that wasn't the right thing, so she was already in bed continuing to throw her fit, so I went in there, and I climbed into bed with her, and held her tight, and I snuggled, and We begin to talk about change. I said, honey, do you know that change is not always bad? She said, really? I said, yeah. Like when, when Jesus came into your life, that was the biggest change you could ever have. That was a good change. She said, really? I said, yeah. And so, whenever change happens, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear change. You can now know that Jesus is always with you. She said, Really, Dad? I said, Yeah. And I said, And I, uh, you know what I do when I need to remember that? She said, What? I said, I sing this simple song. A lot of you have heard me sing it, but it goes like this I sang, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, there's just something about that name. She said, Dad, that's a real song? I said, yes. And when I sing that, it kind of calms me down, and it reminds me that Jesus is with me. And this is what she said. She said, Dad. I said, what? She said, I'm so happy now. She said, I'm crying happy tears She said, I'm so glad that I don't have to be afraid of change. And some of you need to hear that today. You're you're walking through a sea, a world of change. And you look at the circumstances around you and you don't know how you're going to go forward. You've got to know the answer is the presence of God. And it's in that context that then we find maybe the most familiar story in the Old Testament. There's a lot of big ones. This is certainly one. The Bible talks about this story again and again and again. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's referred to explicitly probably two dozen times. And innumerable other times it's referred to. In the New Testament, we see it as a picture of what Jesus has done for us. He's our deliverer. He takes us out of that life of slavery, out of captive and bondage life. And he gives us new life in him It's what the writer of Hebrews refers to in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, drowned. History records this story. It it is significant. In fact, one theologian said that if you were to have found an Israelite during those 40 years of wilderness wandering as, as they were on their way to the promised land, if you would have found them and said, who are you? This is what they would have said. Well, I was a captive in a foreign land, but I was covered by the blood of the lamb. And then my mediator, Moses, led me out of that land of captivity toward my promised future. And I'm not there yet, but God's presence is with me, and he's going to stay with me until the end now if you're a christ follower and that doesn't excite you something is wrong with you because that's exactly what happens to christ followers in scripture we were captive we were slave to sin but as we look toward the death the burial the resurrection of jesus christ we understand we can be covered by the lamb of god jesus christ himself And he becomes our mediator. Do you understand that he goes straight to the Father on your behalf? And you're on a journey. You're on a journey to God's best here and forever. And though we're not there yet, he's promised that he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He will always be with you. This is a big story. So the children of Israel are free. God is guiding them. But what happens next will define them. How do you go forward when you think you're surrounded? Exodus 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Piharath toward Migdal and the sea and in front of Baal-Saphon, and you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they're wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. I want to remind you that God is always in the business of getting greater glory. When you look at the circumstances of your life, one of the questions you need to ask is, how can God get greater glory through this in my life? Because he's always wanting his name to be glorified, and he's always wanting that those in your little corner of the world know who he is. And so if you have a printed copy of God's Word, I would encourage you, as you look at this passage, circle or underline or highlight every time you see it talking about the glory of God. Because this is a story that demonstrates that God will do whatever it takes to make His glory known. And so they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, what is this we've done that we've let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Israel with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them all. Pharaoh's horses and chariots and the horsemen and his army and overtook them and encamped at the sea by Pihahiroth and by Baal-Sephon. And Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And remember, fear will always cripple us. Fear will cause the best of us to throw a holy fit. That's why God tells us again and again and again and again, more than 365 times, more than one for every day, do not fear. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this why we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And this is the first of what would have become a pattern for the children of Israel, is their murmuring. Don't you like that word? It's one of those words that kind of sounds like what it is, murmur. I mean, you might have walked by someone in the hall today and they were murmuring, you know, because you walked by and all you heard is murmur. It's complaining. So church people learned this right here and have been practicing it ever since. Not in our church. But that's kind of a mentality. I don't like what's going on. And In fact, what's crazy about this is it doesn't even make sense. You are now free. And yet because you don't like the circumstance, you would rather go back to something you think may be better. sounds crazy until you realize we do that in our sinful lives. God frees us from the bondage of sin. He breaks down habits and strongholds. And then we get through a tough time and we fall right back into it. And some of you are there today. You just want to go back. So Moses said to the people, Fear not. There's that command we we'll are hear it again and again in Scripture. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Now, we're going to get to the end of this story. I'm mainly letting the story tell itself today. We're going to get to the end of it, and that's true. Just like everything God always says is true. They're seeing them now behind them. They're chasing them. But soon they're going to say, we'll never see them again. And so Moses is at a place of decision. So God continues, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, divide it so that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them and I will get glory. There it is. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and his chariots and his horsemen and the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. What have we said? God's going to do whatever it takes to get glory because he wants his name and his fame to grow in this world. That's the key. And the Egyptians shall know I'm the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind him. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Remember, they were guided. That's what we saw in Exodus 13. They were being guided by this fire and this cloud. That's how they knew how to go forward. But now that moved behind them. Why? Because God was saying, I got your back. I'm going to show you the way to go when you need what's in front of you. And I'm going to cover the rear flank when you're struggling with what's behind you.